0: Welcome to the Splash Play podcast. My name is Peter Overzett and I am joined by my Alpha Machismo podcast host Chris Spaggs. Are you excited for a great fantasy football DFS sports betting show tonight Spaggs? You know, I I can't even do the voice. It won't ever
1: live up to the hype of the last video, Pete. But you know what? will live up to the hype. It's Sunday. That means we've got the waiver wire snake draft. We have the take the L's. We have the ride or die picks for Monday Night Football. And uh, Pete, give me the deep voice one more time so I can get our intro song
0: teed up. You guys are listening to the Tilt Space. I mean, the Splash Play podcast. <laughs> I do too many shows. Fuck me.
1: <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to the tilt space known as Splash Play. That's how we can bring all the brands together. I'm Chris Bags wearing sexy seductive cat ears to go with my much more feminine voice than i had on thursday's episode joined by your pal and mine at peter rober's on twitter he's peter rober's how are you doing
0: Pete? i just poured a little bit more tequila i figure at this point why not <laughs> when i'm introducing shows the wrong way uh i am excited it was so funny like I'm like, wow, time flies. It was just Thursday night when Spags was uh, hosting this while simultaneously doing a hostage negotiation. (laughs) So it's glad to be back here on our Halloween spectacular. Yeah, a day late. It's funny that we're wearing the outfits now like normally you
1: wear it in the lead up to Halloween. And instead, we said I I, my, my fucking girlfriend, <laughs> I'm going <just> <laughs> to break the cursing, was wearing these goddamn ears around the house. And I thought, why not? I'll put the ears on. We'll do a fantasy football show. That's the kind of situation that people get from us, Pete.
0: Yeah. What did you do anything for, for Halloween? No,
1: we're, we're, it's a fucking pandemic. I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't curse. <laughs> no, I, I got you into this bad habit. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a pandemic you can't justify going out. Like for Thanksgiving, I think we'll probably go uh, to a group of friends, but for Halloween, like, I, I can't, like, if you're in your mid twenties, I get it. You want to take that risk on, you want to do that whole, uh, whole, maybe I'll get COVID. Maybe I won't thing, but I, I, I feel like it's not responsible yet to go out. Even
0: if I am wearing fun cat ears. I, I was the same way. We did actually go, we went to a brewery that still had outdoor seating. And so we were sitting outside and I go inside to use the bathroom and the place is absolutely packed. And I was like, oh, I guess, you know, we're out there, you know, Lauren and I just bundled up to the nines, you know, trying to do this safe, enjoy some kind of, you know, outdoor activity before it gets frigid cold here. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it's just not a thing. There's a hundred people inside the brewery. So, you know, maybe where the it is.
1: Yeah, I mean life does go on I guess and more power to everybody out there and uh, remember to vote. I don't know if people hear that enough out there. That's the thing. <laughs> it's uh, we're not a political podcast, but you know, I think sometimes when you're browsing the internet, you don't get reminders enough on Twitter that you have to you have to hide <laughs> because it keeps telling you over and over again, but Make sure to vote, I guess, if you're out there. But more importantly, vote for Splash Play by hitting the like button and subscribing down below. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and a review. Helps us out a bunch here as we're trying to grow this platform. And one way you can help grow our little platform as well as help yourself out if you want more followers just for the ego stroke or so you know that Pete and I are seeing your tweets, follow at Splash Play Pod on Instagram or Twitter. First thousand people on there get a follow back. And those are all the plugs up top. And Pete, I feel like it's hard to top. We, the, honestly, the, the viral momentum we had from me having my microphone situation to the point where I want to rip my own hair out really drove some views on that Thursday video. <laughs>
0: I'm telling you, man, I, I, you know, live watching it back, watching the clip, I cried laughing every single time. Uh, What an all-time splash play moment. And I will say too, you know, we've kind of settled into this routine. We got our guests on Thursday. Spags do our own thing on Sunday nights. If you guys have a guest suggestion that you would like us to book or someone you think would fit well in the splash play universe. Let us know down in the comments. We'll see what we can do. Uh, we've had fun bringing people on. I think we've had a nice string of guests here and we'll try to keep it up going forward. And you know, if spags, if your mic malfunctions, I I honestly think it's good for the show at this point. I I had to do the Osmo stream
1: today and I was praying this mic didn't do something stupid too, because (laughs) it's a different mic. This is again, the, the fourth mic I've technically used within this room within the last 10 days and um, it, it works okay. It'll hopefully work better when I get one little modifier thing that I have to throw on. But it's, it's crazy. And, and also, Pete, somebody made, in the awesome stream today, somebody made your piano player joke, which I guess it's just the look that I have to go for, is I need to be <laughs> the, the DFS musician. That'll be my new channel. <laughs>
0: That'd be incredible if we could do like, uh, you know, some kind of request night for Spags, you know, we get, you get one commenter each week wins a request, you know, and all of a sudden Spags has to do Billy Joel on a
1: Sunday night. I do not know how to play piano. I know how to play the big theme song from the movie big, <laughs> but besides yeah. that, it would be tough, but Hey, we'll try it out here. Whatever it gets your guys likes and subscribes, we'll do it, but let's talk to week eight big stories. And, uh, it wouldn't be a splash play episode. Honestly, at this point, it's, you know you can call it coincidence you can call it fate you can call it destiny but another week we have a millionaire maker winner amongst us and actually pete last week the one literally was a guy who followed me on twitter so i think that that yeah. are you
0: serious <laughs> yeah so what yes, was his name our listener what yeah. was his name
1: he was uh, uh neil or orkfield or oh yeah. Or- yeah and he did an he did an interview with yeah. osmo right yeah and he was like and he's loving it it got good views too for those guys but he's i saw him tweet out his tout picks for the day and i was like yeah neil you know the game you got your million dollars now. Now it's he's, he's tried to strike uh, uh, while the iron's hot. Exactly, and that chance goes this week to G Hartman three one four, who can hopefully follow and Neil's big footsteps, being a splash play listener and being an Osmo subscriber and all that stuff. But G Hartman. Pat Mahomes as his quarterback and stacked him up, Pete, with Demarcus Robinson and Travis Kelsey. And this is the fun part of this stack, is that he could have had your boy McCole Hardman. He could have had your boy Tyreek Hill. He could have they had, all had, hit. I don't actually Tyreek's not your boy, but McCole definitely is your boy. Could have had yeah. a four-man stack and had the same results, but this is what got it done this week, Pete. You know what? It's so
0: funny too. I was talking about this earlier with a couple of people and I was looking, you know, because if you just run an optimal lineup in an optimizer, you're going to get like a lot of one-off plays. It's trying to get in the most projected points, but I was doing some constrictions of like, okay, what are the optimals? If you set it to a quarterback with a double stack and a bring back and what kept showing up and I overruled it, but it was Mahomes to Kelsey, Demarcus Robinson with a MIMS bring back. And I'm guessing that our listener who won a million didn't have the MIMS bring back, but it's interesting that Demarcus Robinson as the really cheap Chiefs guy did end up there, even though the the math was pointing us in that direction as well. So here's the thing. He did have the Mims bring back. He had
1: the Mims. So even though he won a million dollars, he did. He had a guy getting 6.2 fantasy points. Mims did not have the breakout day. A lot of people, including Pete, myself, honestly, in my lineups, but um, you know uh, John Daigle as well. We were all on board with the Mims train. 6.2 fantasy points wins the million, Pete, despite being
0: mostly trash. So I'm guessing, I'm just going to guess he had De- uh, Devontae Adams and Dalvin Cook in there. So he did have Cook. He did not have Adams.
1: He had DK Metcalf instead. Oh yeah, uh, not okay. to be confused with his brother DJ Metcalf, of course, who <laughs> has been referenced before on Splash Play. But but DK, forty three fantasy points for him. Uh Mims in there, Kelsey in there, and then Kendrick Bourne is the one, the pivot at at uh, flex going away along with Derek Henry at running back. And uh Bourne, I think you know Brandon Ayuk had the better day, but but born just being a pivot, getting some production despite Jimmy Garoppolo, a man who is going to come up again, Pete, and the the guys I have to take an L on this
0: week. Oh yeah, no, I'm going to take some L's on him as well. But to me, again, uh, this is, hearing this Millie Maker lineup, you know, sometimes you look at these lineups and you're like, never in a million years would I have that lineup. Like, I'm never going to win the million. I look at that lineup and first I say, oh my God, this was a splash play listener. I feel so proud. But my second thought is, Look how correlated that was. You know, it's a classic double stack with a cheap bring back, correlating, you know, Metcalf with Bourne. You know, if this game pops off, let me get two pieces from there. Playing a contrarian running back when all the chalk is funneling to Kareem Hunt and Jamal Williams. And and Derrick Henry didn't even pop up at a, an expensive price tag. So like, and I assume he has Dolphins defense in he there. He did have
1: Dolphins. That was the one must-have you had to have this week after they got to Jared Goff in a big way, even though Goff actually created a pretty nice day for his receivers and a real aberration of a fantasy performance.
0: Yeah, and again, like I, in some of my contests, the Dolphins were pretty heavily owned. What was, did you see what the percentage owned was in the milli for the Dolphins? Uh,
1: they, the Dolphins were owned at uh, 2400 $2,400. ownership.
0: That's pretty chalky for the Millie maker too. So like, again, this lineup was not off the board. Like this is a realistic lineup you could end up on here. And yeah, I had, I had multiple lineups with the Mahomes double stack to Kelsey and Hill. I had it to Kelsey and Hardman, but again, it didn't matter if you had it Kelsey to DeMarcus Robinson, because he was the cheapest one and all of those guys produced similarly. So going down to DeMarcus allowed him to get up to cook and Henry and, and Metcalf, which ended up being the big difference maker there. And Dalvin being a guy
1: who broke it open. And I think this is another thing, you know, we talk about, you know, looking for lower probability outcomes out of your lineups that, you know, are still feasible. And I think Dalvin cook was one who I was doing that show this morning. And because of that, I feel like I did a little more prep work than I might normally do, even though I have my money on the line every week. Like I did some yesterday. I woke up this morning at 6 a.m. despite, you know, the the time being set behind, I guess, helps a little bit. But woke up early and was doing it. And I was like, Dalvin Cook being under 10 percent seems crazy. I had him at 20 percent. It actually, you know, it bailed out my weeks enough, um, especially with the, the Garoppolo Kittle stack being both those guys being worthless, killed me. But I do feel like Dalvin Cook just being a guy at 10% ownership people weren't on. Pete, I feel like that's the kind of play that, in the SPY especially, but in general, you know, like the higher dollar tournaments, but really every tournament. I think those are the guys that we kind of neglect, and just sometimes those are the guys that end up having the days like this that completely ruin everybody else's day.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. I had a hard time. I had a ton of DK Metcalf today, which worked out well, but because I was stacking him up with Russ, it was hard for me to get up to the more of those expensive luxury plays. But yeah, like if you just do a simple process where you're sorting For ceiling relative to ownership, there were two names that popped up today: Josh Jacobs and Dalvin Cook, and both of them had good days. I mean, Josh Cook, or uh, Josh Cook, Josh Jacobs had, I want to say, thirty carries, thirty-one. no catches, but thirty-one carries. Yeah, and and stuffed at the goal line a couple of times. So, man, like you know, the chalk funnels for a reason. But I've actually been thinking more about the Kareem Hunt play. And, you know, I was worried about the wind for the passing game, but in my head, I was like, you know, it's fine. I'll get a bunch of carries a la Josh Jacobs. But the thing I think I didn't factor in enough is that, hey, this wind impacts the splash plays, the big plays that speed up the game. We weren't getting those. This game slowed down and cream hunt was fine. But it's hard for these guys to smash when you're not having the big plays move the game along really quickly. Or even the threat of the big play, really. And I think it's worth talking about real fast
1: because I know, Pete, you replied to a tweet from somebody who, uh, candidly, I don't think followed either of us and didn't follow the Splash Play account, but was mad at us putting our picks out there and asked us, like, hey, are these weather adjusted? And you know, <laughs> I know from me doing a couple years of both MLB, DFS, doing NFL, DFS, and even dabbling in PGA. PGA, I think win actually matters a little more, but I'm still going to assume Vegas accounts for that. But. I don't think wind matters that much. Like, I I think the Vegas totals, for the most part, account for it. The fact that you saw totals coming down four and a half points, like, we were—I was down on the Browns game, the Browns-Raiders game anyway, when we talked on Thursday with John Daigle. Like, I wasn't there, and then when the wind was there, I was like, okay, cool, like, now I feel justified kind of having slivers of ownership, but, but Pete, how did you feel about this? Because I know you do a bunch of shows, and you did a couple today for, uh, for Line Movement, but— were you
0: like a weather believer? Cause I, you didn't change your name to weather believer, Pete. And I feel like that would have been a sure <laughs> tell. You know, I was, you know, hand building some replicas of first energy stadium in <laughs> Cleveland though, to, you know, adjust for how the wind might impact it. I have two thoughts on this, this comment for the, for the first part, I will concede that if you're hand building lineups and not looking at projections, that have reflected the change in total because if you look at awesome o's or etr's the total drops they adjust their projections so it's baked in now if you're just hand building and looking at plays then you might not be factoring that in enough even though good projections have already factored it in and to this guy's point who's upset like look You know our scoring system. Uh, You can see it right there. We are taking shots. We are having fun. We're trying to give hot takes. If Spags and I just came over here and told you the chalk lineup each week uh, and then followed it up with a Sunday update, uh, we would just be a tout site and not an entertainment fantasy football podcast. So you're going to have to cut us some slack for giving you our picks on a Thursday that don't have all the final baked in up-to-date news. Well, the thing is, Pete, if they followed
1: one of our picks this week, they might have had a good week. If they followed perhaps two people, including our guest's picks, it would have gone very poorly for them. A little teaser for the ride or die is that to come.
0: Uh Oh, are you? I'm getting my, was, were Daigle and I, did we flop? There might have been two offers. (laughs) Wow. We pulled the spags is what you're saying. (laughs) Uh, You,
1: you know, you were the first one. The cement wasn't even dried. You put your hand, you put your little paw on there. at a day
0: look this is what happens the guests come on they get all fired up to give hot takes and i'm like who am i to not you know go along with this it's true you do set you you, pete makes the culture around here and unfortunately
1: for our pal john daigle might have might have gotten bit by the peat bug, but we'll talk about that coming up. Uh, I got to talk more about the Niners because this game, to me, the dud of the week. And, and when I was doing the live before lock show this morning, I, I really thought Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be owned relative to what he should be, which to me was 5 to 10%. You know, you stack George Kittle, you stack uh, Brandon Ayuk, who had the one really big game against New England last week. You know, I, I get those guys being owned. But Jimmy ended up being fifteen to twenty, you know, a little bit over twenty, depending upon the tournament. In some slate, in some parts, you twirling your hair is killing me. <laughs> you're so seductive, like you're in Parliament, and you're just someone crying. make a gif of this. <laughs> it's really I gotta mark it on our times thing. Okay, uh, Jimmy, keep going
0: about your Jimmy G rant. I'm listening,
1: Jimmy G. Much like Pete, very seductive, lured me in, and just. Blue, blue chunks ended up being taken out of the game and I think, the late third, early fourth. George Kittle also had a nice catch and then went out with an ankle-slash-foot injury. Looks like that's not a fracture. Looks like he'll be okay. But, uh, Pete, was this disappointment really big for you? I think you hinted at it, but going against the, the Seahawks defense has given up so many passing yards per game. This seemed like a smash spot for Jimmy, and it really did not work out that way.
0: Yeah, it was kind of... You had these two different... I don't know, narratives coinciding in that, you know, Jimmy G was a great points per dollar value play at quarterback, you know, and we've seen the Seahawks just be so kind to every quarterback. It's like week after week, whoever goes against the Seahawks absolutely tease off. And then we have this other data point, which is Jimmy Garoppolo is like this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde quarterback who can just bomb at any point, have backbreaking turnovers and, to me, I, I played Jimmy G in multiple lineups. But to me, like the takeaway is if Jimmy G is going to be high owned, like we know that the downside risk is probably not baked into that ownership. And so even though the price in the matchup lined up, it's like, man, there's so much risk. And my, my buddy, Pat Crane, who I do the ship chasing podcast with, he had a really nice lineup going where he had Cook, Adams and Dolphins D in the 1 p.m. slot. And he had a Herbert double stack and he was saying, like, man, I hit the nut. Should I pivot to Jimmy Garoppolo? And I was like, you know what? Like, I honestly feel like Jimmy Garoppolo is more risky than Herbert and in doing whatever game stack he had. And fortunately he stayed with it and it and it rode the course. But that's kind of my takeaway, is like Jimmy Garoppolo is not a bankable fantasy asset when he's going to be popular. So I had the
1: opposite where I had, I could tell you the exact line. I had Cook, I had uh, Giovanni Bernard, I also had Marvin Jones who got two touchdowns. Oh, nice. And the Dolphins D. And then my stack, I was like, it's set up perfectly. I thought I had Garoppolo with Brandon Auk with uh, George Kittle run back with yeah. Tyler Lockett. And then also got DJ Dallas in there, so I had a lot of guys who were in good positions to do something. DJ Dallas, I thought was ended up being a riskier play because of Homer being active, but uh, still paid off pretty well. But yeah, all the parts of that basically, I should have just done the inverse, and it would have been better. But instead, that was like that was one I was like, oh, this is like super live because I have everybody else left in this entire thing, and it's all the top guys. And yeah, Lockett did nothing, Metcalf went off, and Garoppolo. three fantasy what points.
0: contest was that in
1: uh that was the first down that was one of the yeah i do i every sunday i do 320 maxes and uh yeah. and then like whatever my spread of the higher dollar tournaments is yeah
0: and i assume that 20 max was was what uh like uh that was a bigger bigger yeah, it tournament, it was uh, right? like you know like yeah. a
1: whatever hundred and something thousand yeah. person yeah
0: yeah that's that's the tough thing with it too and it and i we've talked about this and i've been thinking at this through too with like the late swap stuff and it's like, even if you have the nuts in a contest that big, it's still like, there's so many things charging for you. But again, like you made that lineup. You knew that the 4 PM games were coming, like you're hoping to hit the nuts with that lineup. So of course you're going to let it ride because you have conviction with that build. So like, I I completely get that. And it's really hard to try to factor in all of those variables in a hundred thousand person contest. It's almost impossible. And I think, too, you know, if you have the Dalvin
1: Cook going off at 10 percent, like I was trying to think about it as it was starting to look bad. And I was like, you know, if I went to to the Herbert stack, went to Herbert uh, with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, all those guys over 20 fantasy points. But Herbert didn't really hit a big ceiling kind of in a weird way. Him and Jared Goff, two guys who were just hovering around 20 fantasy points, but also created receivers who had like 25 fantasy points each. And um, that was one thing that I was like, oh, if I'd gone this way, it would have been much better. But it seemed lower, you know, like a lower ceiling play. But maybe that's it. When you have the guy, when you have the Dalvin Cook having the outlier day, like two guys I was heavy on this week were Dalvin Cook and Devontae Adams. And, you know, I guess that's the other side of it is like that'll keep you profitable, probably, or keep you close to the cash line. But it might not mean that you have that that first place day that you need to, like, basically set up your year.
0: That's And that's the kind of why it's so trippy as a thought process, because it's like, I'm doing good. I should just let it ride. And it's like, you're doing good. And all the money is in the f- top five spots. Maybe I need to continue to take this like really unique line to get there. But I like I, I told Pat, I was like, I don't fault you at all. If you pivot to Jimmy G and stuff like you have a locked in lineup, if you think that raises your floor, it all comes down to what your risk tolerance is as far as trying to get first place.
1: Yeah, and Jimmy G, uh, one of the larger busts of the day, um, unfortunately for Jimmy, and a tough. Is he is he Italian or is he Dutch? I feel like Garoppolo could be Dutch, but if he's Italian, him and Ben DiNucci,
0: I feel like both not not doing a great job. You know, you don't want me to go there. I've had the Italian community <laughs> hot on my heels after my DiNucci comments. I'm not going there, Specs. Let, uh, he, I feel like he has to be Italian based upon
1: his looks, but we'll find out live here on the air because I'm looking it up. Uh, German, Italian, and Polish. So, uh, you know. Pete, all, you're the you comedy king him. here. You know, there's a lot of jokes you can make about all of those.
0: <laughs> That's true. Yeah, no, it, it's right. I'm trying to, I've had a lot of drinks and I'm trying not to get canceled <laughs> right now. Spags.
1: I won't lean into your bad tendencies. What is the wig
0: supposed <laughs> to be, by the way? Like, is it anything in particular? Do you know what's so funny? Like, you know, over the years I've had a fair amount of props. Like I even had a, a donkey mask that I've been doing and I heard you were wearing the, the cat ears. And I was like, I don't want to do the mask again because it's hard to talk. I can't see all of this stuff. And I was like, I'll go through. Apparently I have a prop basket downstairs. (laughs) And uh, I don't even remember buying this. Maybe my wife had it for a Halloween costume. I feel like it's like an orphan Annie kind of like wig. (laughs) Like, I honestly don't know what it is, but I just grabbed it. I was like, done. We're good. I feel
1: like it's a little bit of like 80s rock star to it as well. And but yeah, orphan Annie, like a blonde orphan Annie, I think works and um, uh, you know, clearly, you know, you wearing that—that's
0: that's pure sensuality. That's that's what that is. Yeah, I hope every all of our listeners can keep it in their pants tonight. And make it. <laughs> they had my the Barry White
1: voice last time. This time they have your wig. Something really to get that OnlyFans account off the ground. Um, Dalvin Cook carrying the Vikings. I feel like is something we should hit on a little bit more. Uh, he goes off, and I do feel like to me the thing that pointed out was just it's just a guy who we know the ceiling. We know the Vikings can commit to the run, especially if they get ahead. And that's me was it you know, if you want to throw in the wind stuff, which I still think was a bit overrated, I think the signs were there from Vegas. Even, you know, if you take your own weatherman, your meteorologist hats off. Dalvin Cook, I think, was the guy who just fits the profile of, you know, he can get up to 30 touches. You know, he could be a game breaker. You know, he's getting a lot of broken tackles per play. And that all came into play to me. You know, it came in today, play today for Green Bay. And uh, Pete, I don't know that I just feel like I should have had more Dalvin Cook. But I, I had enough where I don't feel bad about it.
0: Yeah, it was tough. I mean, obviously, in hindsight, you wish you had more. This was a week where the chalk kind of condensed around Derrick Henry, Kareem Hunt, and Jamal Williams in that price range, and you were kind of having to get off those guys. Um, And I will say, I say it to myself every week and it continues to be true. One of the best advantages in DFS right now is not being afraid to go to these guys coming off of the injury report. And I, I was writing it up. I do the, the newsletter, the Fantasy Life newsletter. I'm reading the beat reports. Mike Zimmer saying, he's good to go. He's good to go. Uh, you know, I'm reading Gene Bramwell. They're saying there's going to be no limits on his workload. And yet I still am like, oh, he's coming off injury. I'm, I'm nervous. What if he only gets 10 touches? And it's like, if these guys are active, and their studs, like Dalvin Cook, like, you need to have them in your player pool. So this is another reminder for me on that.
1: Speaking of people underperforming, uh, Carson Wentz, another pick just now to Dallas, and it's a 9-7 game. We are recording, as we always do, uh, towards the back half of the game. It's the third quarter right now. And yet Carson overthrew his guy, and if he blows this game to this Cowboys team with their third-string QB, like, just put Jalen Hurts in, I
0: think. let's, Let's call it a wrap on the Carson Wentz time. Yeah, I mean, that's what the Niners did, right? They were yeah. like, Nick Mullins, let's let's do it. And again, like it's not like Nick Mullins is some highly drafted prospect. The Eagles devoted draft capital to Jalen Hurts. I mean, it is getting dangerously close to to being curtains for Wentz at this point.
1: And uh, DK Metcalf showing that he could break a slate. Let's talk about that real fast because I think we actually pointed out this exact thing. And I think we might've even had a quote from either. Honestly, I'm going to, I think it was me, but I'll say it could have been either me or you, Pete that said like this same thing next week with Tyler Lockett having the big day, DK Metcalf could do this next week and it wouldn't be crazy. It wouldn't be a surprise. And that's exactly what happens. And I think to me, that's it every week. Like these guys will have their weeks where they do have the 20 fantasy points each. They are good as a stack, but I still think when these guys are really viable in terms, especially with them being priced up, it does seem like it's a single man
0: stack, like go with one of them and hope they have that ceiling with Russ. Yeah, I mean, we saw this dynamic play out last year with the box, right? Where it was like Godwin and Evans were super negative correlated, but one of them really popped off and at the expense of others. And I'm not a hand in the dirt, all 22 guy, but I do really wonder if it's this thing where defenses are like, all right, we just watched the tape. Tyler Lockett went nuclear, you know, for three touchdowns. Maybe we shade some coverage over to him and not let him beat us. And then it's like, all right, well, now you have DK Metcalf in one-on-one situations. And DK Metcalf is going to make you pay if you're guarding him one-on-one. So I wonder if there's that element where the pendulum swings back and forth. I don't know who they play next week, but does that defense go and be like, holy cow, DK Metcalf went nuclear. Let's devote extra attention to him. I feel like there has to be some truth to that. I think it's interesting too because the guy
1: that jumped out to me on paper was was Lockett again, you know, coming off the volume he had and then playing against Jamar Taylor in the slot. I was like, hey, Jamar Taylor is their worst cover guy based upon the yards per route covered metric, which you know surfaced guys for me this week. Corey Davis was a guy who had a big day and he was one of the best, you know, best matchups in terms of a guy just giving up a lot of yards per route covered. Uh, Marvin Jones, another dude who got there with touchdowns, but still was open most of the day, benefited a little bit from Galladay going out. And I think sometimes it's one of those things where you know you you see both sides of the data, where the data points you to these guys because they have great matchups, but also it shows how football is, where yes, guy has a great matchup, but then the Niners know that and they overcompensate, and then they maybe leave a little more room for DK Metcalf because they have to cover Lockett more because they know they have a guy who sucks in the slot, and I think. That's one of the things where, you know, people talk about watching the game tape and, and I know, Pete, I know you like to, to joke about putting your hard hat on and doing that. But like I do think there are sometimes people who cloud themselves by being like, I saw this game, I know how it is, but don't, you know, don't contemplate the idea that it's like chess where guys are operating, especially coaches are operating two moves ahead and trying to figure out the next thing. And for DFS, you know, that's what makes it a moving target where you rely on the projections and that median outcome.
0: Right. And the other thing is, is like, you know, I'm just doing armchair analysis of why this comes. But once it's my turn to put my hard earned dollars on picking Metcalf or Lockett, I'm literally looking at the numbers and I'm going to look at ownership projections. And generally, I'm just breaking ties in favor of ownership. And last week, it was Metcalf coming off a big game and Lockett was a little bit more under the radar. And this week, it was Lockett coming off of the big game. And Metcalf was a little under the radar. So generally for me, I'm just going to be making decisions based on those numbers, specifically ownership, because we now know both of these guys have monster, monster ceilings in any given week. And now we're just trying to beat the field when they're a little down on one of them.
1: Yeah, and it's also, you know, adverse conditions. I don't think matter. I think it's just a, you want to have some exposure to these guys, Devonte Adams, another guy I feel like they're, we're starting to see the pecking order people. You want to have some taste of every week and uh, you know, I think it's starting to get a little more clear, and we'll we'll keep you know we'll keep trying to hammer these points home for you guys. We know we have a mix here of, of some of the sharper players, some people who are a little bit newer to the game, some people who are trying to get better, and uh, you know that's sort of what this process is is just trying to learn and. And not being surprised when the lesser expected outcome is one that ends up popping off. And make sure if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, five stars and a review. Helps us out very much and helps us continue to find different ways to put our voices out there. Sometimes they will be deep voices. Sometimes they will be wigged or cat-eared voices. But either way, it just helps us keep it moving. So... Give us one of the reviews or likes. Victory laps, Pete. It sounds like it might have been a tough week based on your tequila input as well as your, your wig rare wearing. I feel like every part of here feels like it was a tough week, but what victory laps do you have?
0: Well, well, two things. Well, um, I actually wanted I I hate to derail us, but I thought that was a really good point that you just made of like what are kind of the trends we've seen that have staying power of these. You know, in previous years it was, you know, Christian McCaffrey you know, just every week, you just had to play Christian McCaffrey or Lamar Jackson last year. It was just like, this guy is breaking the salary in the median projection thing. And the three that came to my mind right now, and I just feel, I, again, I'm just doing this off the top of the dome, but I feel like Devontae Adams, when he is healthy, it's just like a must play. I feel like Kyler Murray, when he is playing is, is a must play with what he's doing on the rushing floor. He's like 95% Lamar Jackson from last year. And then what we just said, one of the Seahawks receivers, like every week, one of these guys is going off. Are there any other kind of like, this isn't even a trend. It's just like, this is a thing that people should be taking into consideration. I feel like Kamara is this year's McCaffrey
1: where you're never going to go wrong playing him. And you can still like, you can build a lineup around him every week. And even if he has a great day, then you're, you're killing it. If he has a mediocre day you know, the other guys pop off, you're going to, you're going to be fine. And I think he, to me is like sort of the floor guy that, that jumps out. I agree on Adams though. Like he, every year or every, every year, every week he pops out in terms of the Monte Carlo Sims that have been really helpful. I had him at 50%. I didn't play him at 50% this week. Cause I'm like, that seems high Monte Carlo. <laughs> and it's <turns laughs> probably should have just rode that because you know, he has a certain floor. He has a certain ceiling. Like that is what those numbers tell you. And I would think that he's one of those dudes. I feel like Aguilar just being a guy who 50% of the time is going to do it. Like he showed the downside today. I think he had less than one fantasy point, but then we've seen the the 25, 30 fantasy point days from him. Like that's a dude who I feel like is one that uh, just feels like peak variability peak, you
0: know, throw him in and hope that you get that dice roll. I didn't think we were going to go from Seattle wide receivers, Kyler Murray, Devontae <laughs> Adams and Alvin Kamara to Nelson Aguilar, but Spags just had to fit him into that conversation. <laughs> I just like, it's, it's
1: interesting to see those guys where it's 26 fantasy points and then it's one, like that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. And that's sort of the, the data outliers that you have, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, I like the aberrations, you know, you know, from all the stat games that I like to play with you when I'm, when I'm trapping you in a room with buzz saws coming at your head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're gonna have some messed up. What like if you there was a couple where you could have gotten me now that I know something. So I I heard that Josh Jacobs 30 plus carries. I saw someone tweet. It was Alex Gelhar. He writes for 44 formerly NFL. He said Cooper Cup had 21 targets today, and I still don't believe it. Is that true? I actually didn't see
1: that one, but I, I'm curious to
0: know. It sounds
1: right based upon his outcome in Goff having a bad day, but. Like, so that day was one that was weird to me because the Rams uh where where are they? The Rams both like Woods and Cup both had monster days, but Goff w- actually wasn't that good. Which yeah. is which is one of those weird things that happens sometimes because of a guy getting PPR yards, but here we are. Um let's see, Cup. Yeah, twenty one targets, eleven catches. <laughs> That's
0: absurd.
1: And Woods had, Woods was seven for eight. Seven tar- seven catches on eight targets. It had the bigger day fantasy yeah. point wise.
0: Yeah. Cause he had that end around touchdown.
1: It, it's, it's weird. It's, it's a weird year and, you know, and there's always going to be these outliers, but um, that is the thing. But uh, any victory laps, you want at all. Pete, besides the wig looking really like it should just be a part of your character, much like the mic should be for me. You should have to wear a wig every show.
0: Yeah. I mean, my my victory laps and my higher buy-in lineups, I was very heavy on DK Metcalf. And the five lineups I built, I want to say I had three DK Metcalfs. I was also very big on DJ Dallas. I kept saying it all week. Like, And again, it, it's not because I'm some genius. I was just reading the practice reports. And it was like, Carlos Hyde hadn't practiced with the hamstring, and even Homer being active, he barely did any drills on Friday. And it seemed like an emergency running back situation. There was actually a report from Jay Glazer right before lock where he thought Homer wasn't even going to be active. So, like, I had these contextual clues, and I was like, how often do we get a running back to have a backfield to himself on a good running team in a great game environment at $4,000 on DraftKings? So, I would say DJ Dallas, DK Metcalf, and Mahomes. Uh, I had a lot of those double stacks. I would say, I'd say those are my victory laps before we get to the bad stuff. DJ Dallas. I ended up getting a lot of two because I had
1: Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman is one that a real downer that backfield for the Niners, just a a cursed backfield, but has three carries gets 20 yards. looks pretty spry on one carry in particular that you got a first down and had 11 yards on, but just uh, that backfield ends up being a Jamichael hasty backfield. He doesn't look that great. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, clearly not going to be a guy who gets anywhere, even approximating bell cow touches. So um, yeah, I think those are ones, but yeah, DJ Dallas, I was on and I think was a worthwhile point of, you know, even at these minimum prices that are now up on DraftKings where a guy's a 4k minimum, when you have somebody who could potentially get 15 to 20 touches of that volume in a matchup that, you know, is not as tough as it was last year against the Niners. Like, I think DJ Dallas was something people weren't on enough and weren't prepared enough to pivot to. And for me, you know, I think that was something I identified early on was like, I want to be able to get to DJ Dallas in the late game because he can open some stuff up.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah. I thought, I thought he was a good play. And that was one of those, I don't think I would have been on that. Like if you were looking at prog- projection systems, like you're, if you do, like if I did projections, I would have had a really hard time with that situation because you're trying to make bets on what you would think would happen. And it, there's a lot of guesswork to it, but it was one of those times where I thought the practice reports were really telling. And like you said, there's just not a ton of risk at 4,000. And you know, the, what I ended up doing is because those stacks were really hard to do. Like if you want to jam Russ to DK and lock it and then bring it back with Kittle, it's like, well, great. Now you have to play a bunch of 3000 guys because it's so expensive. So I ended up doing a lot of kind of skinny stacks where I did Russ Metcalf and Dallas and those worked out well except I was bringing them back with Metcalf or uh, with Kittle and, and Bourne and those guys didn't quite get there so I didn't have the massive day but I felt good about being on the the three right Seahawks guys.
1: Yeah. And I I think that ties into the take the L part of the day. And uh, and again, it's a lesson for me today with, with the Niners where that Seattle matchup on paper looks so pristine and then it doesn't work out that way because Jimmy Garoppolo, quite frankly, isn't a great quarterback and he's taken advantage of some plus matchups before, you know, last year, his matchups against the Cardinals are the ones that come really, you know, ring first to mind for me that I know he was a guy people were down on. And then he just really abused the Cardinals last year. And, on paper, Seattle should have been that matchup, and he just doesn't seem to have it this year. And I don't know if there's anything you could point to. He's just, he's not as accurate. He's not um he has better weapons. Like I think Brandon Ayuk is like a legit good player. I'm kind of curious to see if Mullins gets one more start because I think it's possible that he might be a better player than Garoppolo, but maybe there's some other flaw that we're missing.
0: Yeah, I have such a hard time with that when even with the Wince one and and these kind of, you know, we're we're very in general knee-jerk reactions recency bias and i think we know that there's just there's a handful of quarterbacks in the league that are just really really good and the rest fall somewhere on this spectrum where they're good some games and then other games they have meltdowns i would agree that jimmy garoppolo is on the further end of the bad side of that spectrum where he has more bad games than good but it's really hard to know how to evaluate Mullins versus Jimmy Garoppolo in a vacuum and who brings more to the offense on a given week because there are so many variables and neither of them are that good enough to rise above the other in
1: yeah, the Kittle part of this week too I thought was just odd that I feel like I saw more Ross Welly targets than I did Kittle targets for at least a good portion of that game and Kittle was that his value as a blocker I think was what they valued more and You know, some of these teams, I think that is one thing that you can't really account for with either the data or the game tape kind of watching mentality is that a team like the Niners is going to try to beat you however they can or just, you know, or keep a game in if they can. And if they can't, then they just roll it up real fast and just let the Seahawks basically run away with it. And I think a team like the Niners, you know, it's worth remembering to not get too heavy. Like Kittle to me on paper looked like a guy you should have 40 to 50 percent of, but I kind of knew like. It's the Niners, and he could easily block 50 times today and run 10 routes, and, like, that's an easy outcome that could happen. I feel like the Niners are just one of those teams that, like, this happens a lot, and just, you know, like, be careful. I feel like it's just, tell one of your buddies, like, hey, you
0: know, wear a condom. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a gross <laughs> well, thing to say, but that's basically what it is. I I was surprised like I thought Kelsey and Kittle were going to kind of split ownership because both were good plays that you had to pay up for but I think everyone just ended up breaking ties in favor of that game they were like this game's going to shoot out Kittle's going to be the monster on the bring back there you got to play Kittle and I mean Kelsey went really under like uh, my friend Mike Leone he won the Thunderdome on DraftKings he was the only guy to play Kelsey like that's nuts to me. Granted, it's only a 30 person contest, but still 30 of the best players in the world and only one played Travis Kelsey. So yeah, there was definitely an edge there. And I think again, like all of these things, none of us are saying like on paper, Kittle and Kelsey, great plays, but man, if guys project similarly and you don't have them in a game stack, which again, I'm sure a lot of people did, but you got to break ties in the guy that's lesser owned.
1: Yeah. And it was lesser owned in a game that had a gigantic total. And and Patrick Mahomes came through in a big way. And um, I I want to take an L on this, and I I feel like it's maybe a segue into Tell Me Who Hurt You, but I feel like Mahomes was somebody I should have had more of this week because he projected well, he looked good, but he also, to me, felt kind of accurately or adequately owned. And um, I guess also the backfield. It might be worth talking about the Le'Veon Bell part being owned 15 to 20%, depending upon the tournament, people wanting that revenge narrative so bad. And I think, to me, he and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, like, I don't know how you play either, dude, because that was like a straight 50-50 split this week.
0: Yeah, I know. that, And that one was tough. And I still, like, last week was the weird week, right, where they had the defense and special teams touchdowns. It was Bell's first game, and everyone's like, we don't really know how to read into it. I know the pattern was they were almost alternating series. And then we thought, okay, this week we'll get more of an idea. They're going to be up. They'll run the ball. Le'Veon Bell against his old team. And I still feel like we don't actually have a lot to pull from to make decisions going forward just because of how quickly they scored. I, I want to say, like the Jets were almost acting like a run fu- or a pass funnel where their run defense was pretty solid, but Mahomes and them were just teeing off in the pass game and that they never even had to establish the run there. So I don't know what to do with this backfield. I, I think in general, though it's bad for Clyde Edwards to like Le'Veon Bell is getting enough touches that it's really going to cap his upside, especially because Bell's also stealing the very valuable pass work. It's not like an Adrian Peterson situation where he's just the two down thumper. So this is going to be, I think, a gross backfield going forward. There's going to be lots of points still to go around, but it's going to be really hard to guess who's going to get them.
1: Yeah, I think a situation where, you know, just some of these teams where you don't know the production, that's why a lot of uh, seasoned DFS players, you know, it's one of the basic things people talk about, volume. Volume is so important, and when you see that volume start to trend downwards, you know, NFL is a limited sample size sport, so I get, you know, wanting to try to trust the, longer, the longer-term sample size that you have, but uh, when all of a sudden Clyde edwards helaire is straight splitting, uh, they both had nine carries today. I think edwards helaire had one target to Bell zero like you know it's it's not a good spot for these guys necessarily and even if they do go off one week like you just don't want to be playing especially for season long i think that's the big part because we have so many season long people who follow us like trust the volume every week like don't trust these guys who have one big week in here like for gpps you can take those shots not for season long
0: Yeah, no, it's true. And and, and I'm not saying this is more to like, you know, that Spags makes a good point there about the difference between season long and DFS is we can get super granular for DFS. I mean, we're talking matchups, we're talking weather, we're talking price and ownership, all these things. But for the most part, you definitely want to stay the course. And I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is still going to be a solid start going forward. But it is one of those things where I still feel like we need more data to know how the team is going to use these two in tandem. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And speaking of data, of course, one
1: thing we always do every week is stat shaming. But uh, before we get to that, let's make sure you guys, are if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe. Hit the notification bell too. So you know, whenever we have new episodes go up, they usually are going up after Sunday Night Football, after Thursday Night Football. Those are our guest shows. Uh, whenever we can get a guest who we feel like is worth your guys' attention and our and, and our time. We're such big deals around here. They have to be worth our time. Uh, but, uh, but make sure uh, you're tuning into all of those. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, five stars hand review helps us out a bunch so please keep doing that especially on the podcast side because we got to make sure the left hand and the right hand are lifting us both equally as we try to to cash in on that fantasy footballers money that one day One day, it's all going to come in so great. Stat shaming, though. Did these plays get unsustainable numbers, or do we consider them beautiful at a healthy weight of touches? First guy up this week, Pete, Corey Davis. Eight catches, 128 yards, one touchdown, 10 targets. Very nice matchup on paper for him. He paid it off today. A.J. Brown also had a good day, even though Tannehill didn't. But Corey Davis is the guy to look at, Pete, and he's contract year guy and that's been a data point people have talked about and he's followed it through and I think to me more rising with the titers, Ryan Tannehill so I think he looks good I think he looks sexy I do think maybe if I put a a little light behind him a little more of a a combing with a fine tooth comb for uh, pixelation in certain parts I think we might see some Photoshop so I wouldn't trust this Corey Davis every week Pete
0: Here's the thing about Corey Davis. I see this, this basic dude posting up these stats and I want to shame him. I want to talk smack about him to my friends. And then I get to know Corey Davis and I'm like, wow, this is a good dude. He's got a good heart. He's in the right place. I look at the stat line. They've each played AJ Brown and Corey Davis have each played five games this year. Targets equal 39 each receptions, 27 for AJ Brown, 29 for Corey Davis yards, 356 for AJ Brown, 369 for Corey Davis touchdowns five for AJ Brown, three for Corey Davis PPR total points 92.3 for AJ Brown, 83.9 for Corey Davis. I got to know this guy and I was like, wow, I mean, you are right on par with a grown ass band, AJ Brown. And maybe I judged you. Maybe I stat shamed you too quickly. Maybe you are the real deal. And that's what I'm dealing with right now. Specs.
1: I I think that's a fair outlook to have on Corey Davis, a guy who has shown these glimpses of having the upside, and I don't mind playing some of them. I did have some of them this week that that actually was probably one of my better plays overall, relative to ownership, but. On a week-to-week basis, I you know I just wouldn't trust it. Though I do think you're right. You might be right, Pete. The gap between AJ Brown, who we know sexy in any light, AJ Brown gets all the hype, but Corey Davis sometimes he gets more likes per pick on his
0: photos when he's when he's twerking. <laughs>
1: he's such...
0: it, and also the thing, like I'm with man, I I love AJ Brown. Like yeah. I think he's incredible. I mean, he played he. Out, for people who are maybe new and didn't, don't know the college production, he outproduced DK Metcalf at Ole Miss. Like this dude is an absolute stud. That said, Corey Davis, Corey Davis, Corey Davis was the fourth overall pick in that draft. Like this is also a stud first round wide receiver who has just taken a long time to develop. He's also gone through some injuries and stuff, so he's obviously going to benefit when defenses have to focus on Derrick Henry, on AJ Brown, on Johnny Smith. That said, uh, it's a lot closer than I think any of us would have imagined. And yeah, I want to pay attention to Corey Davis going forward.
1: Yeah, definitely looking like a dangerous team for fantasy and in real life, and we'll see how the Titans, uh, despite the loss today, how they continue to go. Another guy who I think you could stat shame more easily, DJ Dallas, 22.8 fantasy points according to DK's scoring on 18 rushes, 41 yards and a touchdown, five catches, 17 yards and a touchdown, and I like the work. I like the way he works it, no diggity, no doubt, but I do feel like DJ Dallas is not a dude you can expect to get this again. Carlos Hyde going to be back. Travis homer gonna be healthier and get that workload like there are so many ways this isn't gonna go good for dj dallas i love that his name is like a is literally a street fighter character um and also he sounds to me the most fictional 2k madden created character name around but i just don't see this being every week like maybe next year if they clear out that backfield but
0: there's too many guys ahead of him in the packing order for me pete Yeah, Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus was saying that DJ Dallas's name sounded like one of those porn star names, (laughs) uh, which, and I had to chime in because the normal convention is your porn star name is your dog's name in the street you grew up on. And mine was Duke Dover. And Duke Dover has big DJ Dallas energy, if you ask me. Uh, I'm with you, man. I was really on DJ Dallas this week, but they, it, oh, so many things had to go right for them to use DJ Dallas this week. And um, he does have a very similar skill set to Chris Carson. But when Chris Carson's back, when, you know, Carlos Hyde is back, when, I mean, we don't even have Rashad Penny back. This is a guy they took in the first round a couple years ago. Travis Homer, who had a great, uh wild card game last year in the playoffs and they trusted who was banged up so i'm with you i i'm excited about dj jallis i got him in a few spots pretty cheap i have him in some dynasty leagues but uh i gotta stat shame you dj there's a there's a lot of other hot girls on the town and i'm afraid you just caught him on a night out <laughs> yes yeah you nailed that one, Pete. <laughs> which is and then, of the course, the little
1: hair twirl. That's how any boy can forget when Pete's points don't make the most sense. <laughs> Next up to Satchez. I thought that was pretty coherent. No, it was good. I me. thought it was poetic. I don't know that I fully followed the logic of it, but I thought it was poetic. I, do you want me to explain the logic to <laughs> yeah. you? Yeah.
0: Give, give me, I'll give you five seconds to give you the elevator pitch. Okay, so DJ Dallas went out and all the other girls stayed home. Uh. And DJ Dallas looked great in hindsight because everyone's like, where's Rebecca? Where's Carlos Hyde? Where's Chris Carson? And they're like, "Well, all we have is DJ Dallas. I guess we'll make out on the dance floor for ten minutes." Tell me that analogy wasn't great. Does DJ Dallas do a little little bathroom work sometimes? Perhaps a little. <laughs> wow! Well, wow, There is a DJ Dallas has found himself in a glory hole for sure. Yeah.
1: If so. <laughs> you give DJ Dallas a little a little bit of a, an upper. <laughs> And DJ who knows a DJ I'll do uh, last <laughs> <so> the <laughs> stat shaping's is like a turn last guy we have to stat shape. but I think this will get uh, back on track Zach Moss 14 carries 81 yards two touchdowns nothing in the pass game for him I think he is just a ruiner of Devin Singletary all the people who bought it on Singletary this year thought he was gonna rise with the tide of that Bill's offense Bill's offense not looking as explosive and also uh, Zach Moss taking end zone touches taking red zone touches It's not looking good in this backfield. I think if you're going to play a guy, I might be more inclined for Moss at this point. Um, So I'm going to shame Moss for having this upside. But I also think like you've just ruined everybody. You're, You're toxic to the locker room, Zach Moss, of our hot girl backfield of Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary,
0: good hot girl name, too. No, I I disagree. I'm not going to stat shame Zach Moss. I mean, they drafted this guy in the third round. They lost Frank Gore. Like they brought him in to be the goal line back, to be the early down grinder and have Singletary be the change of pace back. Like they didn't want Singletary's role to change. So for him to come in and get these goal line carries, I think that's what they wanted him to do. So I'm on Zach Moss. Is he going to score two touchdowns every week? No. So we must shame him a little bit, but I do think this is the role they want him to have. And I do think this is a true 50 50 split. And uh, I think Zach Moss is going to have some nice value going forward. He'll burn you if he doesn't get in the end zone, because he's not going to catch passes. Um, But I think the bills are a good enough offense that they're going to have lots of goal line opportunities. I mean, this week was the perfect exhibit. Josh Allen stole a goal line touchdown, but Zach Moss still got in there twice. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to shame Zach Moss. He's looking pretty damn sexy out there. I feel like (laughs) there's a little bit of
1: James White, Sony, Michelle's this backfield to me that I don't love. I yeah. <laughs> would be my concern, but yeah, you know, I, I could see playing these guys. You make the case, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to keep revisiting this one as we go, because as is the case, with these split backfields, it is often a week to week scenario. And uh, now is the time where all the YouTube people who've searched us out, who are just uh, painstakingly to their credit, uh, searching out any video out there that talks about waiver wires. Now is their time to shine. We're going to do a waiver wire. are track. In
0: the right place. <laughs>
1: This week's are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys if you skip back three minutes you're going to be real confused so <laughs> so hopefully you've landed also pete i don't know if you noticed this on your youtube and maybe it's one of those things that's like geo targeted and they're rolling it out but now we do the time sh- the timestamps for everything so if you ever want to skip around the show you can do that down below in the comments or on your podcast but on youtube now you can skip our show by segment like you can go like according to the timestamp. So if I'm like a Spags' mic is stupid, then you could skip ahead to, to Pete twirls his hair and wants to blow you. Like we could do all sorts of things with the timestamps.
0: Well, oh, like in the show notes, right? Yeah. It's just hyperlinked. Yeah, yeah but, but it shows on the video itself now. Oh, they overlay it right there. So like, if you're watching
1: on desktop in particular, I think it might be on mobile too, but now you can see like the show chopped up in the segments that we, that we label, however we, we, so So if,
0: if theoretically in 30 seconds, I like showed some of my chest hair and you put that in the timestamp and they're watching right now. And it was like, Pete shows his chest hair. They could literally just skip 30 seconds into the future. And see this? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's wow.
1: I'll timestamp that. I'll make <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> but
1: no, like, I just want to make sure it's working. It's funny too because like actually with SEO, there was one video we had where like the timestamp was just Kenyan Drake. I don't know. I guess I just lost the creative flair I had. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like fuck it. But <laughs> like, but we got searches for people just who looked up Kenyan Drake, and I guess it took them to that moment in the video. So if I had like Pete over that chest hair and somebody saw you on one of your shows and was like, God, I wonder what that guy's chest hair is like. Uh, I'm really in, I'm in a weird mood. (laughs) Like they could go and find that. Let me just say, guys, the
0: carpet matches the drapes.
1: (laughs) so make sure to hit that <laughs> like button and subscribe because we're on fire here. I don't know if you could tell by watching this, but it's waiver wire snake draft time where we pick the guys available on waivers for any show out there gives out their waiver wire picks. And of course, it's limited to players who are owned under 40 percent of the leagues, according to ESPN. And Pete, uh, you're, you're so gorgeous and you're 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 roping us all in with your siren song with that wig. So I'll let
0: you go first yeah so this is an interesting week like we don't have any big running back injuries where guys are kind of stepping into obvious scenarios unless spags a more sober spags has something under his sleeve that i've mixed miss so i will i will stick here with uh, a guy we talked about here and i i do think Corey davis he's currently owned in 36 percent elite uh, he's so he 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 was going to be mine too,
1: because I thought he was sneaky because
0: I would have thought he was over 40, (laughs) but yeah, I barely snuck it in there. Corey Davis. We just talked about him here. Like his role seems pretty secure in this, you know, week, week one, eight targets, week two, five targets, six targets, and now coming off a back-to-back weeks with 10 targets. Like we can't ignore this. That's a really, really nice role in this offense. And uh, yeah, I think he needs to be owned in, in way more than 36% of leagues.
1: Yeah. And I would say too, you know, Adam Humphreys got super concussed. Like he got the kind of concussed where it was like, Oh my God, this guy is limp on the floor. Um, so, you know, maybe that opens up a little more for him. Khalif Raymond's the guy who pushes for routes behind these dudes. Uh, but Corey Davis, you know, running outside and running in the slot, maybe he gets more slot routes. Like I think there are some ways it actually does benefit Corey Davis. Unfortunately, if Adam Humphreys does stay out. So I would keep that in mind. Um, Here's a guy I'm going to take, and I'm you know I'm just going to be honest. This is mostly because of spite after Pete took a guy that I like, so I'm just going to take this dude first. McCole Hardman is back under 40 percent ownership on ESPN. He's at 28. You know, I think if you're ever hard up, if a guys on a bye week and you ha- you know there's a good matchup for the Chiefs like we saw today, you know play him. Like I think it's still not a bad thing to play him. I think Pete's talked about this before on the show. Tyreek Hill is the guy in front of McCole Hardman. So you're gonna get your best results for Hardman when Hill's out. But who knows down the stretch. The Chiefs are rolling. Like maybe Hill plays some less time. Hartman, you know or Hardman rather, is gonna have some upside. So I think he's worth the pick here, Pete. And I, I'll let you I'll let you tilt a little over me taking McCole from you.
0: Yeah, no uh Hardman was on my radar. I saw that his uh percentage was still down there. And again we yeah, we talked about it. Like He has some standalone value. And then he also has massive contingent value too. If Tyreek Hill were to get hurt and like, in the same way we stash our benches with Tony Pollards and Chase Edmonds, like why not stash a Miko Hardman where when the bye weeks get tough, you plug him in, maybe you get a touchdown like you have the past few weeks and he's a good handcuff. So yeah. I still love Nicole Hardman. I think that's a good pick. You know, I mentioned that. No, you don't a get throw- a pick,
1: by the way. I get the turn. So if you're if so you're a just segue- threw it to
0: me to <laughs> flaunt your pick, oh, you're sick. Go I ahead. should have let you
1: actually get it out first so that I could have just taken it from you. That would have been Never. the ideal. That's my mistake right there. But um one more guy I'm gonna take is Curtis Samuel. I think the routes going up for him are interesting. Uh, He's up to 30 routes run on that Thursday Night Football where he was a slate breaker the last time that we did a show. Uh, We obviously don't get enough time to talk about it because we're recording during the game. But Curtis Samuel ran 30 routes. Robbie Anderson ran 32. DJ Moore ran 33. Like, if there's a good slot matchup, I do think Samuel now has won his way back into the good graces after. He started a little slow. Like, they didn't like him. uh, Like, Matt Rule, whatever part of the staff is in control of that, did not like him coming in because he started slow in training camp. I think came in out of shape was the report's. And I just think he's a dude who's a little undervalued still. And he should be owned. He's still under 40%. He's about 37 right now.
0: Yeah, no, uh, I like that call. This next guy that I'm going to draft now, he, I thought he might've ended up in the stat shaming segment. And I'm glad he did because it provides some cover here. But Naheem Hines, he scored Mm. two touchdowns today. He didn't have a ton of work in that he only had eight touches total. But the thing that really buoys him, there's a few factors. So he had three targets for 54 yards today and two touchdowns before the buy. He had five targets. And, but to me the key indicator is this team is not as high on Jonathan Taylor as we all thought. I mean, Jordan Wilkins comes in, he starts the second half. He also got one of the uh, goal line uh, uh, carries right after Jonathan Taylor got stuffed. And it seems like this coaching staff is losing Faith in Jonathan Taylor. And the thing about Jonathan Taylor is he's a rusher and he can catch passes. Like he had that all around skill set that people were hoping he could become a bell cow. And it seems like, at least how this game went, they were trans, uh, Uh, I can't even talk they were transferring to kind of a backfield where Jordan Wilkins was the early down carrier and Naheem Hines is the pass catcher and if those roles kind of stick I mean Hines is incredibly valuable you saw how explosive he was today I mean he's running like nine routes down the side and catching touchdown passes does a you know triple axle backflip like what a dickhead
1: (laughs) I know and I'm like okay
0: yeah yeah so Naheem Hines is one of these guys who I don't think people realize how talented he is I mean he's kind of like a Tariq Cohen type like very explosive with the ball so are the touches always going to be there for these big games no but if they are down on Jonathan Taylor and his role expands we know he has the talent to capitalize so Naheem Hines especially I will say in PPR leagues if you're playing in standard I get it but PPR leagues I I want to have Naheem Hines on my team
1: yeah, and Taylor, a dude, I think, just to maybe not play like this matchup on paper looked like one that he should have been uh, pretty trustworthy, and uh, he and T.Y. Hilton both who did leave with an injury, but holy, like he blew the best possible matchup on paper, and that was so upsetting. So uh, we we didn't do the dead to me. We we've we've erased that segment because we don't want people. We want people to keep being alive every week. But T.Y. Hilton is freaking so dead to me.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's one of those dusty vets. Right. For you got sure. one more. I- One more. All right, I'm going to do uh, Jacoby Myers. So Julian Edelman, IR. And again, trust me, I'm not excited about the Patriots passing game. You're not excited about it. Whatever. He came in and had 10 targets today. And whenever he plays, he does look like the best of the Patriots wide receivers, which isn't a high bar to clear. I'll give you that. But if a guy in any offense is getting 10 targets a game, I think he's pretty relevant. Edelman's going to miss a while. Nikhil Harry missed this week. I mean, it's literally Jacoby Myers and Demir Bird is basically all they have in this offense right now. So if Cam can get a little more healthy uh, and the schedule is going to get easier, you know, home versus San Francisco on the road at Buffalo, um, you know, they're going to get the jets next week. So, Uh, I like Jacoby Myers and I think he's a guy, if you're really suffering through injuries or the bye weeks that uh, can give you some points in a pinch. And I think too, one thing that jumped out to
1: me, which actually did make me play some Myers this week, um, he's getting targeted on 19% of his routes, which, you know, seemed like they're taking an uptick, but that's, you know, Edelman's getting targeted 21% of the time before his injury. Like that's a respectable number for a guy who's running mostly outside. I think Myers actually a pretty good pick by Pete there and worth taking that flyer on. Maybe you can see some more volume. Um, I'm going to go to. Oof, it, is, it is ugly after the guys
0: that we already picked. Um, this is an. Uh, this might be the worst week on the waiver wire that I've seen all season.
1: Yeah, like I feel like we we cherry picked a couple guys who seem like they should be better owned than they are. Um, I'm gonna go. Ugh, I'll take Deshaun Hamilton just because I think it's worth pointing out. This is more of a teachable moment than a good pick. <laughs> So here's how I'm going to transfer the lack of value from this one. But um, Deshaun Hamilton running outside right now without Tim Patrick. And I think that may be something people aren't keyed in on yet. Uh, We saw him have a big touchdown today. Like he was the slot guy going the last couple of years actually had some decent value over the last two seasons. I want to get a good run out of the slot and now he's running outside. Tim Patrick was pushing to play today. So I don't think this is one that has a lot of legs to it, but if Drew Locke is going to have some whiffs of Tim Tebow, then perhaps maybe there's room for Deshaun Hamilton to have some value. So that, that'll be my third guy. And uh, I have to take the turn, too. God damn it. It's, you have any Deshaun yeah. Hamilton thoughts?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, Deshaun Hamilton was a guy that has had his opportunity in, in previous years to step in and hasn't really seized it. He did look good today on that. I think my one concern is we also saw KJ Hamler have a touchdown and he's a rookie that they drafted uh, pretty highly profiles as like a speed guy, Hamilton and Hamler, are different types of receivers. So, um, I think Hamilton generally profiles similar to Jerry Judy as far as where he's going to be used. So maybe it's not as obvious as a role that he can step into, but, um, I don't mind taking shots on these guys that have big games in, in hopes of their role expanding.
1: Speaking of that, and I think there are actually two guys fit this criteria, but this guy's really low owned, and I think he should. I mean, he's going to be on the national radar soon enough, and he kind of was even on the red zone at least the Scott Hansen broadcast and we, you know, on this show. If you've listened since day one, we're not Andrew Siciliano people here; we're Scott Hansen people. And uh, he mentioned Darnell Mooney called him out. Big day today, seventeen fantasy points, a little bit more depending upon your scoring and uh, under 5% ownership on ESPN right now seems too low to me. This dude is about as good as Alan Robinson is besides, you know, like he's not there, but in terms of this offense, like he's getting close to the opportunity. He's getting more and more each week. Like to me, he's more of a true number two than Anthony Miller, who seems more like a, a predestined kind of slot guy. I like Mooney a lot, and I don't think he shouldn't be 5%. He's probably not an every week start
0: by any stretch, but I don't mind getting some some shares of him at this point. Yeah, Mooney looks good every time I watch him. He looked good on Monday Night Football the other week. I mean, literally the only concern about Mooney is Nick Foles is his quarterback and can this offense support a second wide receiver? But uh, I like Mooney. He's been getting lots of air yards, looks explosive. Monday Night Football, he had multiple double moves that looked really sick. So yeah, I'm on board with Mooney.
1: All right, and you get the last pick here. Also, we need to talk about Um, with, does John Daigle get a correct pick here for saying that Nick Foles would get benched for, for Mitch Trubisky because
0: Trubisky ran some option routes? Ooh, that is, that is close. I don't think it fulfills the requirement of getting bench, but we could give the guest a, a one point, uh, you know, just a little olive branch for, for <laughs> okay. yeah, at no, John, John, a
1: nice guy. One of the, you know, a nice Texan man, follow him at not on Twitter and check out the road to world fantasy football podcast. Uh, Pete, give us your last pick here to close out the waiver wire snake
0: draft. Yeah. So I'm going to go off the board and I honestly, I don't have a good read on this, but this falls into that category of like, let's just not be slow to it. So Tromaine Pope had 17 opportunities today for the Chargers and like everyone going into this game is like it's Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson's backfield similar skill sets they're going to split the role I mean Tromaine Pope had 25 snaps okay he had 10 carries for 67 yards five receptions for 28 yards like I don't know like I thought there was a Joshua Kelly injury I was looking for it I couldn't find anything about it it seems like Joshua Kelly legitimately could have just gotten benched for this guy, Tremaine Pope. So I don't know. I I want to see what some of the coaches are saying, what the deal is with this, but there's a chance that he just surpassed Joshua Kelly and they're, they're not feeling great about him. So, you know, if he's going to be splitting the backfield with Justin Jackson, we saw he looked good today. So in this gross waiver wire week, uh, I'm willing to take a flyer on him. Yeah. Tremaine looked very
1: feisty out there too, as part of that, uh you know almost a, a near fight there and yeah he he was getting the touches and Um, He's been a guy in the mix. He was actually a guy I remember playing or playing a little bit of last year when Justin Jackson was expected to get the backfield, and I was like, "What if he doesn't?" And Troy Main Pope goes off, and now we live in a Troy Main Pope world. So there you go. That's the waiver wire snake draft. So take those guys, and if any injuries occur, uh, the rest of Sunday night football or Monday night football, we're not legally responsible. So I don't know what to tell you, Uh, but make sure you're hitting that like button and subscribing on YouTube. Hit that five stars and review an Apple Podcasts. Final segment here: the ride or die place for Monday night. But Pete, we got to talk the reviews. The the full summary of the ride or die picks from this week. Do we? <laughs> I think we do real fast, you know, just you guys, you know, last, last week I let you off the hook. <laughs> All right. You know what? That's fair. But, uh, let's just say then that, uh, one of us who is me got 10 points, uh, from a, a variety of picks, got three, three pointers, one, one pointer, my correct picks, uh, were, uh, Jerick, Mc- wait, no, wait, no, I'm actually, I'm looking at John Daigle's picks and was like, that's not right. Uh, Darnell Mooney over 15 DK points, that happened. Um, also, Marvin Jones, highest non-QB score for Detroit, that happened. Robert Woods over 20 DK points, that happened. And uh, the under 50.5, Pete, this is one we went head to head on. You took the over point 50.5 in Vikings Packers. I took the under, you know what that ended up at? No. 50 flat. <laughs>
0: gross
1: <laughs> 50 flat in that game but pete you still have your good looks and you still have a pick for monday night football that you can give right now for our ride or die picks And the game tomorrow of course is going to be the bucks and the giants the bucks getting 29 implied points in a game with a 45 point over under the giants getting uh 16 implied points so that is a
0: a big 13 point spread favoring tampa bay on the road pete what do you want in this game i just want to say I In this Sunday night football game, I I do have Jalen Rager in the captain of the showdown winning lineup. He does have a touchdown early. I I think he could still get there. If he gets another touchdown, Jalen Rager could end up in the winning showdown lineup. So just be very careful. With your victory laps, that's all I'll say.
1: No, that would be a ten pointer. That'd be great. Right now, Fulgum would be hard to top, but you know, yeah, who knows? Who knows? What yeah. is Fulgum at? What? What's his stat line? Um, his captain total is twenty nine point seven. I don't know about his. Mm. So his regular position is like you know fifteen. Yeah. No, no, that's no, no, not. No, he's like twenty. That's sorry,
0: <laughs> he's like one point five x. Okay. Um. All right. So we got Monday Night Football, the Bucks. I mean. Oh,
1: yeah, no Chris Godwin in this one. That's worth pointing out. And no Devonta Freeman. So those are two big injuries that we should talk real fast and just just point out, you know, that's going to mean more Wayne Gallman. Uh, That's going to mean more Scotty Miller, probably. And no Antonio Brown. I think he's still not available.
0: Okay, I'm going to go off the board here. I am going to say that Tyler Johnson scores the most points of any Bucks wide receiver or tight end. Okay. I'm going
1: to go on the board. <laughs> actually, no, do I, uh, man, I was going to go Mike Evans showdown winning captain, but I feel like Scotty Miller actually might have a shot because PFF has Bradbury shadowing Mike Evans. And I I don't mind that, but I do think that Brady does favor the better matchup. And it doesn't look like Miller's going against the guy, Ryan Lewis, who's not been good, giving up 1.5 yards per route covered. So
0: Um, you know what? I'll just say Scotty Miller, showdown winning captain for 10 points. All right. Well, if you're trying to sneak a 10 point, then I'll just adjust mine and say Tyler Johnson winning captain 10 points.
1: Okay. Tyler Johnson. So there we go. So we are, we're digging a little deeper. Scotty and and Tyler Johnson,
0: I think are are fairly deep dives. It's true. I, I haven't even looked at what Tyler Johnson's salary is. So. I don't even know if that. He has to be pretty cheap. Cheaper than Scotty, I would imagine.
1: Honestly, I have only the top three receivers on my matchup sheet. So I don't even. Like, I could find it, but like, it would be so much effort to find. It does seem like
0: a lot of effort, right? Yeah, because
1: like, he's so not a factor. Like, Scotty Miller, like, we all know that guy. That's a name. It's a name brand you can trust, I would say.
0: Oh, the Giants are going to double team him, though. No, I don't. Double team he's gonna let mike evans run free you were about to argue that in good faith and that's what's so <laughs> was, great about it i thought
1: it was <laughs> no like i was gonna play along i thought that's what we do on the show
0: <laughs> i'm getting hot in this wig man
1: <laughs> all right you're getting hot pete let's call it quits give the people uh your plugs for all things obviously at peter Overzet. that's what people should follow for your steady stream of conscious uh, consciousness and really content all the time
0: Yes. I will never log off. In fact, right after this, I'm going live on Periscope. I'm going to set the camera right by my nightstand and you can watch me sleep until I go live at 10 p.m. Uh, 10 a.m. tomorrow. I'm going to review my lineup in the double spy. I did cash. I did cash in the double spy with my Russ, DJ Dallas, DK lineup. But, uh, you know, a min cash in the double spy. It's not going to get it done. But uh, we will review it in the day's uh, contest tomorrow at 10 a.m. So that's my plug.
1: Yeah, good show to watch with Pete every week, and a lot of people who watch this show enjoy that one, so check it out. And, uh, yeah, I I actually, the Double Spy, I went down. I went the other way. I was like, I'll just play the Red Zone this week. I'm not doing the Double Spy, and giving them $200 that's <laughs> for, that's for funsies, which I was right. Cause I finished terribly in the red zone. So I
0: was yeah. upset with that because I've enjoyed playing the big spy in mm-hmm. the little spy. And I didn't want to do two double spies. I was like, that's too much. So I only played one uh, for the, for the bankroll challenge. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know what draft, they had a weird week with their contest this week. Yeah, they had a, what, a quadruple spy. That's
1: absurd. Nobody wants that. Give us a single spy or go home. Yeah. That'd be my... Anyway, follow at Chris Spaggs. Uh, I'll be doing this show on Thursday, and then on Sunday, I guess I'm doing... I have two shows a week now, so brick by brick, I'm building more and more shows into my schedule, so that's what matters here, but... We appreciate you guys watching. Subscribe, hit the notification bell, do a lot of stuff. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Spotify, do all of those things. And we'll be back with you guys on Thursday night with a, a mystery guest who's so mysterious we don't even know any details about it to tell you. So <laughs> we'll see you guys on Thursday. Enjoy your weeks. Bye.